Welcome to Breaking Paradigms, a podcast where we talk about global perspectives on spatial planning in practice and theory. By Constance Frech and Sarah Kushi. How to build healthcare. Interview conversation with Hannes Frech and Constance Frech. In our last episode, we were talking about public health in general and its connections to infrastructure, planning and healthcare. So today we are taking a closer look and together with Hannes and Constanze Frech, we want to examine healthcare, particularly in Austria, and its interconnection with planning. Both of them have worked at the intersection of planning and healthcare. But let's hear from them directly. Please introduce yourself and your connection to healthcare. Hello and thank you for the invitation. Uh, my name is Hannes and I've worked in the public hospital sector for almost 17 years, starting in a small hospital owned by a city in Lower Austria. And then I worked for another one, so we made a merger. It was one of the first mergers between two public hospitals. It was really exciting at that time. And then uh, after about seven years, I changed to another province, Burgenland, and uh, I was general manager for all the hospitals in Burgenland, which are owned by the province. So it's all also public, publicly owned uh, hospital. And of course, I was responsible for almost everything. I was for medical development there, I was for nursery, I was for planning, building, refurbing, and also, so I know quite a bit about hospital, um, medical care in hospital, development in Austria, perspectives, and especially for planning. Because you know, in the small uh, hospital in Lower Austria, we, we built a new hospital completely uh, while uh, reconstructing almost. Uh, so we had an additional part we built, uh, we added on and then removed and then removed back. And so it was a, a quite complex situation. And so it was very interesting and I know what, what are the problems concerning planning of hospitals. And yeah, as, as my education, I graduated in business administration and with, with my special focus on management and controlling. Most of you probably already know a little bit about me. <laughs> so uh, my name is Constanze Frech and I'm the producer, one of the producers of Breaking Paradigms. Beside that, I'm working for a company which is constructing and maintaining the General Hospital of Vienna. And I came into this job quite coincidentally. Currently, I'm doing small projects from uh, calculations of costs and all the law concerning developments and also construction work and then passing it over to the users. Uh, this is what I currently do. And so uh, I also have quite an insight into the public health sector, especially in a very big hospital and a university hospital. And beside that, I uh, have a little insight also in the medical sectors. We'll link to that episode in the uh, description. 
Um, I think it's a quite fair assessment to say one of you has a lot of experience in rural uh, healthcare, and one of you is more focused on the on the city and urban urban sphere. But maybe can you give us an overview of the Austrian hospital care, and maybe if you have some interesting figures and things that stand out to you? Almost all hospitals in Austria are publicly owned. So, and privately paid hospital, you know, just like uh, clinics for beauty and something else, don't play a really a role in Austria. So, the influence of politics on management, therefore, is very, very dominant. So, as politics and the public sector is oh, the owner of the hospital, they give a very big impact in the management, in the planning, in running the business and everything. And in Austria, you classify the hospital as follows. It has central care hospitals, such as university clinics, university hospitals. They provide all medical subjects, but we don't have so many, uh, only in the capitals of the provinces and especially in Vienna. Then we have so-called focus hospitals, with offer almost or very many medical subjects, yeah, even some rare ones. Yeah. And the so-called basic care hospitals to provide care for the populations close to their home. So if you, have, uh, if you suffer a disease and you have to go to hospital, they will take care of it. And if they can manage it, uh, they send you to a focus hospital or even in a central care hospital. So depending on the, yeah, on the disease and state of your health. So, as I, we have just kind of steps, you know. So, Austrian people are very, very hospital-minded. Uh, because they expect a better service, they have everything in place. For example, if you need um, a gynecologist uh, in the hospital, they just call one and it comes. Uh, and if, if the general practitioner uh, says, you have to go to the gen genealogist, so you have to go to the genealogist. So another, another day you have to take your time. So Austrian people are very hospital minded and therefore we spend a lot of money for hospital care. I think one thing that I would still be quite interested in, I don't know if you have the number of that, but um, if you know how many hospitals there actually are in Austria. Well, you have to decide between a hospital as a, as a commercial unit you have less, of course. But as um, a local, as an area, as a building, somewhere else, uh, we have several hundred, several hundred, let's say, okay, 250, something like, like that. Yeah. And maybe for our international listeners, we have about 8 million inhabitants, close to 9 million now uh, in Austria, just to have a bit of a, a reference of scale uh, when it comes to that. Austria has um, the second many beds per inhabitant in Europe. So when we think of hospitals, we usually think of doctors, nurses, other medical staff. Um, but uh, as you already alluded to uh, in, the, in the previous answers, a functioning hospital needs a diverse group of employees, um, including planners and management staff. And uh, I would be interested to know what you think the role of planners is in hospitals, especially in terms of, of spatial planning. 
There is an Austrian-wide health plan that defines the key data for hospital locations and the service offering. That's a federal, not, not a law, but a plan that say not every hospital can do what it want, what it want, what they want. Yeah. So, so and in addition, they're very demanding quality criteria, very demanding in terms of safety and hygiene. That's very important. And so planners are confronted with a large catalog of quality criteria, starting with fire safety, sustainable building criteria, air conditioning, technical equipment, and many other legal requirements. So planning and working, refurbing a hospital is quite a challenging work because you have also the stakeholders are really broad. You have the local mayor who wants a nice outfit or a, a nice connection to the public transport and you have the doctors they say we need our special equipment so therefore we have to plan it that you put it in yeah and you have the requirements of the nursing people yeah and so on and so on yeah so planning is really challenging and that's why Austrian hospital building uh, are very expensive, yeah. It costs a lot to build and refer a hospital. If you're a hospital planner, you're um, on the ceiling of the planning uh, professions. I totally agree. Sometimes you finish your project actually, and you think like, okay, now everything is done, and I just have the final, final cleaning after the construction work, and then. The hospital hygiene employees get over to the construction site and say, okay, this is not according to our hygiene guidelines. Please put this, this, this and that away and put it differently. Um, so I, I totally agree. And it's really, really a lot more difficult to have uh, all the planning in a hospital than in various other public uh, buildings, schools, or or offices. Um, it's a lot more difficult in a hospital because you have a lot more things that have to be in consideration when you do your planning, and also things that you don't think in the beginning of. And then people come over and say, "Ah, you plan it this way, and this is correct, but we work with that, and we figured this is not working for." our routines, please change it. Uh, one thing that um, might be interesting to know as well, because you alluded to big projects, small projects, could you give some examples of tasks or, um, or yeah, types of projects that um, go on in a hospital that if you go there as a patient, you might not realize that there is things happening in the, in the background? In the ideal, in the ideal situation, that as a patient you are not affected by them. Um, ideally, you're not, um, but it happens. <laughs> At a very, very big project I'm, I was working on, or still I am still working on, is the new construction of a children's clinic, and it's going to be part of the biggest children's clinic in Austria and one of the biggest chi children's clinics in Europe. And these are intensive care units and um, let's say normal care units and also surgery units. 
Another very big project is the renovation of the of our farm of the pharmacy of the General Hospital, which is one of the biggest uh, in Europe as well. It used to be the biggest pharmacy uh, in a hospital in Europe for years. Now it's second, I think, <laughs> um, which is five thousand square meters. And people th uh, when people think of a pharmacy, they think of a place where you get medication, and this is in that case not the case. It's a place where they produce all kinds of medication and distribute and and plan and so it's a it's a huge thing uh, and also develop the medication actually and then we have smaller projects for example um, the the change of a laboratory just that they they just got new equipment and we just adopt ad adapted the laboratory for this new equipment and their new routines Example for interest in impact. When we uh, we built a new hospital in Lower Austria, you know when they, they added the building on the on the, on the ground. Uh, if you uh, for the basement, they have to put some big piles in the ground to to fix the basement, and they really they pulled like this boom boom, and the whole re, uh, the whole area is shivering. So we had to stop surgery. Because it infected uh, uh, people in the in the um, uh, in the theater. This is the, uh, the biggest challenge, actually, is that we are always or nearly always working while people are actually using yeah. this space. So um, of course, they, sometimes we have like new areas where nothing is going on, and then we just newly built some things there. But in 90% of our construction sites are actually people currently working, patients are being treated. So this is the biggest challenge actually that we have to, um, we, also ha we always have plans of how to actually keep the, all the processes going while construction work is there. And this is one of the biggest challenges. And also simple as that, construction is dirty, a hospital has to be clean. I think this this question of standards of care, standards of uh, hygiene, all of this can be quite quite taxing to actually uh, have at the same time. And there might be different reasons that you need to actually do renovations or um, create different uh, infrastructure in a hospital. As Constanza mentioned, it can be uh, towards uh, the reasons of innovation, that there's new equipment that needs a different space or different location. Um, but something that I also noticed, um, and in Austria, it's a, uh, I think something that is happening more and more. And I'm also very happy that we have an expert in this field um, as uh, he alluded in the in the very beginning that his first task was actually a merger um, that especially in the rural areas in Austria um, there's also at least seemingly um, hospitals closing or merging together and um, maybe you can tell us a bit about um, also how that relates spatially um, with the importance of location for hospitals. Well, first of all, hospitals are not really closing. Political politicians have largely issued a so-called site guarantee. Yeah, every, almost every politician say we guarantee the site. So the sites are legally merged to a single legal entity. So to just put it together. Uh, but the entire expensive infrastructure remains intact. So Austria has a lot of hospitals, as I already mentioned in the beginning. And... Many say uh, actually too many. 
uh, but it has a historical reason. Until the end of the 19th century, it was the requirement that hospitals should be reached within a half a day by ox cart. Yeah? So within a half a day, every person should have reached the hospital with a, by ox cart. Yeah? So, and since hospitals under the, are under political influence of the provincial government and the, or municipalities, they have a great interest in maintaining jobs in the rural areas. And that's the wider reason we have so many sites, jobs. Because almost every hospital is the largest employee in the region. Yeah. There is no, um, almost, there are very rare companies or plants uh, who employ more people than hospitals. Hospitals are a 24 hour, 365 days uh, business. So we have a lot of employees, employees and employees are voters, employees are taxpayers, um, are consumers, and so it's almost impossible to close a site, yeah? uh, because many people would lose a job and even if in the, in the postponed uh, branches, no? for example, if a hospital closes, uh, the bakery will close as well, because the bakery for a small village or a small town, yeah, uh, they deliver bread and rolls and everything to the hospital. And the ho if the hospital as uh, a consumer is closing down, the bakery will close down as well, f sooner or later. Yeah. So um, hospital play not even a role in kind of medical care but also as an employer, an important employer. And, uh, and yeah, and the problem is many people go to the urban uh, centers. You know, many young people say, well, that was before Corona maybe, but um, the, the, the urban centers and the big cities, they have a very strong pull yeah, in terms of movement of population. And so, Building a hospital or maintaining a hospital gives a certain guarantee that people won't move. They will stay there and raise their children there, and they have to, so they have the kindergarten there, and they have the primary school there, and so on and so on. So, and this is a kind of for uh, let's say rural planning. It's a, it's it makes sense, yeah, that uh, they sustain that they keep the hospital running, yeah. On the other hand, it's a quality problem, but that's we talk later on. Yeah, I think um, that uh, this effect a lot of people might know from various countries, mostly related to factories, as you already uh, kind of uh, touched on, that um, this idea of employment um, is, is extremely important to various regions. Um, and uh, in, I think in the case of hospital care, there is this added benefit of uh, yeah, uh, public health, as we discussed in our previous episode, that uh, public health is such an important good that it can also be a driving factor of moving to space. Um, and uh, I don't really have a good um, segue into the next question, so I'll just uh, just ask it straight out, um, because we were already talking a bit about efficiency, both in the economical and administrative, uh, but also in the functional um 
ways of efficiency uh, of hospitals, uh, as you were explaining about also mergers being more towards the economical administrative uh, kind of um, side of, of efficiency rather than, than maybe functional efficiency. Um, what would you say are the limitations of efficiency in hospitals and are they an efficient form of healthcare hospitals? Well, the limitation factor is always the money, the money and the space. Yeah. Uh, first of all, um, the challenge of planning an efficient hospital is you have a, you have to do a structural mapping of the individual treatment process. Um, a good plan, a, a well planned ho hospital, is always relied on the medical treatment process. Yeah. So the problem is uh, that means you have every uh, the outpatient and inpatient pa uh, process depend even on the medical specialty. Yeah. Not every treatment is different, and this different treatment processes should be reflected in the planning, or it should be uh, part of the outcome, right? because you have um, even a hygienic process, uh, clean, dirty, and so, uh, and so you can imagine the requirements reaches very soon the limits of spaces and money, of course, because you can optimize everything. Uh, and the other limitation of an efficient hospital is the enormous uh, medical progress. The medical progress drives the medical the treatment process. Medical development, medical researches, um, new knowledges make much uh, have big influence uh, on the medical treatment process. For example, if you have an artificial hip, thirty years ago, or f yeah, thirty years ago, when you started implanting an artificial hip. People uh, stayed in the hospital for a month at least. Now even 80-year-old patients leave the hospital after four days. So, if you have the same treatment for, uh, if people stay a month or four days, you have completely different infrastructure. Yeah. Um, that's a, a big reason. And even then, you have also the addition of constant new legal requirements. Yeah. And um, you have, uh, in terms of hygiene, safety, labor law, labor safety, and so on. So the problem is that hospitals are just built like castles. Yeah, it's for the political politicians. It's my castle. It's my hospital. Castle lasts for centuries. Hospital have, should change in a quite short time. They should be very flexible. For example, if you build an office building, you can uh, make it very flexible with the the in the, the walls inside. Yeah, you can't do that with a hospital because within the wall you have oxygen, hydrogen, whatever you need, gas, medical gases, pressure, and so on. So you can't put the walls in, or just put this wall uh, two meters to the left. That's impossible. Or you need a, an air condition. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of adopting the building, the infrastructure to the medical process, that would be necessary. 
So, my uh, opinion, uh, and I, I really uh, pronounced that in my functions, that we, won't, we shouldn't build a hospital as we did all those years ago. We should use containers. We have, it, there, there are a lot of, there, there are manufacturers of hospital containers. They don't look nice, but they are very functional. You just add a container or put one away, uh, put it on top and so on. And for example, in, in, a, in a big hospital in Wiener Neustadt, in Lower Austria, they had an intermediate, so until they built a new one, they built a quite big building out of containers. And it was great. Outside, they put it nice. Inside, you won't even notice it. Yeah. So the problem is the, the need of flexibility and the rapid change of legal, medical, um, and so on, um, progresses. Yeah. I have to contradict here because there are hospitals or there's at least one hospital which is that flexible and where you actually can just move a wall just to the next one and this is the hospital where I work with. Okay. So, um, th but this is a very spe special case because um, they decided to develop module system of metal walls and ceilings. And this is, and this is a grid. The whole, ho the whole hospital building is a grid. So every single wall you have inside, you actually can move pretty easily. I mean, of course, you have all those infrastructure, ga gases and water and sanitation, like all kinds of things. But nevertheless, it's pretty, it's a lot easier than you think to move a wall within the general hospital. <laughs> um, and this is actually something which is the, the, I mean, it doesn't look nice, but it is very functional. And um, so it is a big advantage of being very flexible. So we, we did change a lot of walls. Like I, had, I recently had a project where we just um, removed a toilet and just um, extended the waiting area. Now I just remove a wall and remove a waiting area and put a, an office there. So it is very flexible. And um, as my father just said, it is very important for a hospital to be flexible. And this is one of the very, like the, the biggest advantage of the general hospital is its flexibility. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then lastly, I would just go, I think you already, both of you alluded to kind of your utopian uh, version of a hospital. And I would encourage our listeners as well um, yeah, to maybe just write us a comment. How um, would you distribute hospitals in your country or in our case in Austria? Um, and what would their function be and how would it work if it was an idealized version, if you, if you had full control of the situation and it was a utopian world without any limitations? Well, the location of a hospital must always be seen in the overall context of the entire healthcare system. It's impossible to bring out an abrupt change here. So you can say, I just plan the hospitals. Uh, and say, as, as I told in the beginning, we have too many hospitals, but you can change it abruptly because the whole healthcare system 
is orientated on hospitals now. So the optimal structure would be an interdisciplinary, well-equipped primary care center, close to patients' place of living, connected to a high-quality rescue logistic with sufficient helicopters and emergency ambulances, and a small number of large hospital and urban centers, or near infrastructural hubs such as highways. That would be the perfect site. The problem is, for example, um, they, uh, a, a hospital is a large, huge financial burden for every community. It's very, very expensive. So, and, but people need their safety. So, an interdisciplinary uh, primary care center where if you, have, uh, you suffer an accident or if you, uh, you have a disease, or you can go there and you will be treated well. Or at least they say, okay, you need a hospital. And then you should go to a real big hospital because the problem is a small hospital have a small number of similar medical cases. So for if you will be, will be a professional team, you need training. For example, if you have one surgery uh, once a month, you won't be this expert at, uh, in case as if you do it this every day, twice, three times. It's the same, for example, the hips. If you make a hip, an artificial hip, 10 times a year, it's impossible. Yeah? So you should do at least 300 hips a year. It's not only the, the doctor, it's the whole team. You need a team for perfect treatment. So every team should be trained and experienced. And that's the problem from small hospitals. People, they, they care much about the people, very nice that the climate in small hospitals uh, is much better than the big ones because people know each other, it's more family, people, so people feel well, but the medical outcome is poor. But people don't realize it, you know, patients seldom realize if they don't have real problems, because if they are treated well, friendly, it's clean, and the, the lunch and the dinner is good, so they say, hospital is okay. Because they don't have a chance uh, to decide if their treatment was perfect or optimized if they have done really a big problem. So small hospitals are not good in quality. So perfect uh, primary care centers with a good logistic. For example, in Austria, I always say the joke, if in some million years, some archeologists dig Austria, dig us out, and they say in every community you have a firefighter house, but not many uh, ambulances and so the people say there must be a lot of burning in that time, but no sick people. So the problem is you have uh, to, to build up a good logistic with helicopters and intensive care transporters to move the people quickly to the right hospital and there should be a big hospital close to an urban, urban center or close to a infrastructural hub, yeah? highway, etc. That would be my perfect, my preferred uh, 
let's say, healthcare system in Austria. And you can continue, of course, uh, with uh, the general practitioner. Of course, uh, you need your family doctor because especially if you have, if, if families have a family doctor and he knows every problem, even the psychologist, the psychological problems and say, oh, he doesn't have really a stomachache. He has problems with his wife and so, and no uh, primary care ambulance would know this. Yeah? So you need both, you need the general practitioner, but if you have, uh, during the night, no general practitioner is, is working, so you need uh, uh, an interdisciplinary uh, primary care center where you can go day and night and with really professional people. And for further treatment, they should bring you every 24 hours to a good hospital. I think one of the things that for me, at least so far, uh, as looking into public health and especially healthcare, is that um, it kind of reflects very well a lot of theories um, that exist within spatial planning, whether that is theories of uh, central places or uh, rural development um, strategies of big employers, for example. Um, I think there's a lot of, of lessons to be learned. And so um, I will conclude our conversation um, so far and uh, thank you very much for uh, giving us uh, your insight I will encourage everyone who is listening to um, take a moment and also write down what your ideal situation is but maybe also what are your criticisms of the current situation in your local community and um, we will continue this conversation on public health in upcoming episodes. We'll look to more examples and different countries. And uh, we hope that you will join us on this journey. This was Breaking Paradigms by Constanze Frey and Sarah Couchier. Be part of the conversation. If you like what we do, consider supporting us and join our Patreon community. Connect with us on Facebook, YouTube and at breakingparadigms.org. Content and editing by Constance Fe and Sarah Couchy. Sound design by Didac Barroso and Florian Frey.